Hello. Hello. to Three Stooges Throwback, the comprehensive, encyclopedic compendium of all things Three Stooges. From woman haters to sappy bullfighters, from Curly to Shemp, and even to Joe. I am your host, Gabriel Russo, and I'm looking at all 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the Three Stooges comedy team. Hello and welcome back once again to the Three Stooges Throwback Podcast. I am still your host, Gabriel Russo, and we are still going over the 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the comedy team, The Three Stooges. This is episode 32, covering the short, Violent is the Word for Curly, a legendary short. First things first, we'll get this out of the way. I use Wikipedia, IMDB, and threestooges.net to find all the information for these episodes. And I usually watch them on Daily Motion or on YouTube. I've read almost every book on the Three Stooges, and I use my own brain to formulate opinions on the shorts, as well as regurgitating the opinions of others. With that said, let's get on with the show. Violent is the word for Curly has a running time of 17 minutes and 58 seconds. It was shot over four days, March 14th, 1938 to March 17th, 1938, and was released on July 2nd, 1938. Curly, Larry, and Moe are the stars here, but we do have some notable cast as well. But first, produced by Charlie Chase and Hugh McCollum, who we just did a couple of episodes ago in Tassels in the Air. As a matter of fact, uh, this is basically the whole crew from that short, as we have Charlie Chase directing, story and screenplay by Al Giebler and Elwood Ullman again as well. As to that notable cast I mentioned just a second ago, we start with a couple who were not previously associated with the boys. We've got Gladys Gale as Mrs. Suffering Catsby. <laughs> During Prohibition, she was a nightclub singer in a New York speakeasy. She was the wife of millionaire Park Benjamin. In 1948, she and an unnamed man checked into an L.A. hotel as Mr. and Mrs. Statler. In the morning, her nude body was discovered and the room was trashed. She is buried in Hollywood Forever Cemetery. It's a crazy little story. I heard this weekend, just, uh, you know, apropos of nothing, I heard that this, I was listening, not this weekend, but I was recently listening to a podcast called Uh Yeah Dude, and uh, they happened to mention Hollywood Forever Cemetery, and in their little conversation, it just came out how expensive it was to be buried there. I never really thought of, you know, thought of that. So, he's got, uh, or she rather, Gladys Gale, has 48 acting credits. Um, I tried to solve the case the of the uh, murder right, right now on Google with a couple of quick searches, and I came up empty. So that's so much for my true crime podcast. We've got VZO Daverin. He's as Professor Hicks. You know, by, by the way, how 
how hard would it have been to put a card in the ti- you know to put a title card with these folks names and characters on it you know it would add like 10 seconds to the length of the short but it would have been huge for all these people you know uncredited roles just make no sense to me but you know that's that's just me so Vizio Daverin is Professor Hicks and he had 64 acting credits from 1927 to 1957 he was an Irish actor Vizi was married to Ivy DeVerry. <laughs> no idea who she was, but those names together are crazy. <laughs> they were a power couple, maybe? I don't know. Vizi O'Daverin. So then she became Ivy DeVerry O'Daverin. <laughs> Vizi lost his voice due to a mustard gas attack in World War I, but eventually it came back. We've got Marjorie Dean as Mrs. Catsby's daughter. This is the first of four stewed shorts for her. One side I saw that she had 25 films altogether, and the other was uh, mentioned 33 films from 1938 to 1943. We'll split the difference and, you know, let's say she had 30, 29 films. That's what she did. So she came to Hollywood through winning the Miss Southwest Texas competition. And she first worked as an usherette in Grauman's Egyptian Theater. Now, I thought it was Grauman's Chinese Theater and now Man's Chinese Theater. Um, I'm not sure when it went from Egypt to China, though. I had never heard that it was the Egyptian Theater. Maybe I had way back. I don't know. Oh, I just did a quick search and I have the answers that we all sought. Grauman's Egyptian Theater opened in 1922. And in 1927, he opened the Chinese theater down the street. And you all thought I didn't do any research. So Eddie Featherson is Benson here. He has a very nice uh, mini bio on IMDb. He was a vaudevillian comedian who apparently had some chops, but he was always used as a reporter in the movies. They decided that he looked like a journalist. He also did, he worked as uh, thugs and cops. 227 credits spanning movies and television. Bud Jameson is back again as the gas station owner in this one. We've got Alex Novinsky, Professor Von Stuper, 26 credits from 31 to 46, two of which were Stooges. And Al Thompson is Professor Frankfurter, 176 films from 1916 to 58. He had a long career. That's, yeah, that's pretty good. Some 50-odd stooge picks. He was well-known for performing the difficult stunts in the business. And he was Andy Clyde, who was a comedian. He was Andy Clyde's double. Sam Adams is Professor Feinstein, Feinstein, 22 pictures. Only, this is his only stooge short. And uh, he did one Joe Dorita solo picture as well. Pat Gleason is the ice cream truck driver with 102 acting credits in movies and TV. He was a semi-pro ball player in his younger days, and this is his only stooge work. He had one Shemp solo uh, picture as well. And then we've got Beatrice Blinn. She's the student with the astronomy question. She did 10 stooge or solo works along with 56 total credits. She's most well known for being in the shadow and for her stooge appearances. 
Then we've got the chauffeur, Duncan, and the server are all unidentified at all. So I guess that's being better than being cut out altogether. So anyhow, we open at Mildew College. Ah, my alma mater. Just kidding. Several young ladies are playing basketball. Although it looks more like, hey, let's all chase the ball around. And then uh, to the steps, we cut to the steps of the college as Eddie Featherston is telling Professor Hicks and Mrs. Catsby and her daughter that the girls desperately need and want athletics at the college. Gladys Gale says, well, in my day, we kept our noses in books and didn't run around dressed as fan dancers. And then she looks her up and down. She looks her niece up and down, or her granddaughter, I guess. Marjorie Dean is in her gym outfit complete with a tiny squirt with uh, a satin shirt satin shirt for Jim uh, I wasn't I wasn't gonna mention this but it's rather they stand out a bit um, you know she's uh, must have been cold on the set that day so you can see her whole you can just see through that shirt through the satin shirt. It's unbelievable. It's, I'm sorry to say it, but, uh, I didn't make the wardrobe in this picture. I'm just pointing things out, so to speak. She has a very modern look with her makeup here. Um, there are some people who do their makeup just like the, this woman today, which, you know, that's everything old is new again, I suppose. So Hicks says that Catsby's donation will go to three European professors who are arriving today, not athletics. The adults go to prepare for their arrival, and Marjorie walks to Eddie and starts to say something about mother, but it gets cut, oddly. Cut to the Acme service station, and Bud Jameson is going for a sandwich, but he gives the boys a pep talk on their first day. Give the customers great service. You know, he's the he's the owner of the service station. There's a good bit where Moe slaps, slaps Curly, who looks at Larry and says, what's the big deal? And Larry says, mistaken identity, and points at Moe. And Curly waves at him like, hiya, pal, you know. <laughs> a car comes flying into the station, and the boys have to jump out of the way, literally. Um... The chauffeur says, uh, put in $10 and I'm going to go across the street for a sandwich. So how long did it take to pump gas in 1938? I'm going to go eat a sandwich while you pump this gas. Anyhow, the three professors are in the back seat. They've all got monocles and hats and whatnot, and they decide to get lunch also. So Larry jumps on the hood with a sponge and a bucket, and he's just washing the windshield and sloshing water all over the place, just all over. It's pretty funny. The professors have taken their lunches out right there in the open air of the car. Um, it's a convertible car, and uh, one is about to eat, and Curly stops him and says, Super service, takes out his personal pot of mustard and spreads it on the guy's hot dog. <laughs> then he keeps on dusting, and a huge cloud of dust just goes all over everything. They keep muttering, super service, super service, yeah, top service, we're going to give it super service, over and over, uh, in response to their sneezes, etc. You know, the, the, they're all sneezing from the dust. So the car has a flip-down windshield for the back passengers, which I thought was pretty cool, and uh, that's what they're using as a table. 
Mo turns it up, flips it up, and spills their lunches all over the place. And uh, Curly starts polishing the ball, one got ball guy's head, saying, super service. Mo says, take it easy, field marshal, <laughs> which is pretty good. Curly covers the hood ornament with a towel. He looks at the hood ornament. <laughs> it's the it's a Cadillac uh, flying goddess. I looked it up. She got, um, you know, like leaning forward with her arms back and chest out. And it's, you know, it's a chrome hood ornament. But Curly sees it and he covers it up with a towel because it's nude. <laughs> and he tips his hat and he walks off. It's a pretty little, funny little thing. Which is, it is weird though, considering the, uh, satin shirt issues from the beginning of this short. An ice cream truck pulls up needing repairs and Mo says, well, we're pretty busy, but we'll, we'll loan you the tools to save us from working on the job. <laughs> pretty busy. They're pumping gas. Larry, uh, starts taking all the bags out of the, out of the people's car and throwing, just throwing them into the ice cream truck so they can check under the hood of the car. And uh, Mo like practically mugs the guy to give him a shave in the car, and the, the the one of the professors and Curly's trying to take the shoes off one of the other ones so he can press his pants. Like what? That's super service at the gas station. It's uh, Curly gets all down when Mo tells him to check the tires instead, which is kind of he wants to help with the professors. So Curly grabs the air hose and the nozzle comes off and the hose starts whipping around. And he leaps on it and wrestles it. And then uh, he takes it over to the car and it blows dirt all over again, you know. Curly takes the sponge, or Mo takes the sponge, rather, to the professors and just sloshes them to clean them up. So Curly is putting the gas in what looks to be the radiator of the car. Um, maybe old cars were different, but I don't think so. Um, it's, I know it's full and it's splashing out all over the place and Larry is putting water in and the bell from the gas confuses him and he, uh, he ends up fighting the water pump, which weirdly <laughs> Curly finishes up and, and falls asleep right there on his feet at the front of the car and Mo comes to check the radiator and, uh, to see if the water's in it. And yeah, he, it is the water. It is the radiator. Go me. So Mo was uh, checking the water level with a match, and kaboom! The professors are still sitting in the back, and Curly's still leaning. <laughs> Larry comes running out. What happened? What happened? Mo says, it's murder. It's arson. Let's get out of here. <laughs> they steal the ice cream truck, and Curly jumps in the back, and away we go. So they ran out of gas, but it's been over three hours, and they start to walk off. But then they remember that Curly is in the back. And uh, they open the back of the van, and he's frozen solid from sitting on the uh, giant blocks of ice. It's fun seeing these giant blocks that they used to keep ice cream sitting on to keep it frozen. Talk about Mr. Softy. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll be here all week. Tip your weight staff. Anyway, their, uh, their brilliant idea here is to build a fire underneath of him and thaw him out. And so they go into the woods... And we cut to Curly is tied to a spit, and he's being roasted. They're spinning him around over a fire to thaw him from the ice. Mo is checking him with a stick, kind of poking him, and Larry's turning the crank. Mo says, uh, Mo's poking him and says, 20 minutes to a pound. We'll be here for a month. <laughs> but Curly actually, like I've said before, he isn't all that big for a grown man of today. 
he is for back then, I suppose, but all of a sudden the fire whooshes up and Curly starts to scream and they grab him, they get him down. The stunt here where he hits the ground is done by Curly and it's not really that much of a stunt, but his feet and legs do land in the fire. I mean, it's crazy. Um, there's another story of this scene that I'll cover at the end, but it looks kind of bad when his feet hit that fire, man. He, uh, he runs to the creek and just jumps in and then he pulls Mo and Larry in for their troubles. <laughs> Larry remembers the suitcases that are in the ice cream truck and they go to look for dry clothes. Curly is trying to get out of the water. It's kind of funny. He's swimming in like two feet of water and then he says, I, hey, I ain't going anyplace. So now we cut to the boys hitching for rides, hitching for a ride. All three, they've got caps and gowns on, doing this big theatrical movements with their thumbs, like, hey, you know, over big waves. Uh, Professor Hicks and Mrs. Gatsby stop to pick them up. Welcome to Mildew, she says, and they look behind them. Like, huh? <laughs> Professor Von Stuber, she asks Larry, stupid? You must mean him, and points to Curly. She takes Curly by the arms and uh, explains the day's activities. She says they have a lovely student body to Mo. He says, yeah, yours wouldn't be so bad if you took off 20 pounds. <laughs> she is scandalized and he drags her into the car. Come on, sister, let's go, he says. It's great. Then we cut to the boys again being introduced to a class. Feinstein, Frankfurter, and Von Stuber are going to give Mildew some clout. They stand, wringing their own hands over their heads, like we're the champions, you know. Curly says, meet me at the gym next to the dumbbells. You'll know me because I have a hat. <laughs> then he laughs like crazy, which is funny. He's got, that's a good line. It's great delivery. And then he laughs like heck. You can really see why Curly was uh, the breakout. So Feinstein, Feinstein is Larry, and he's called up, but he has no idea, so he just keeps sitting there. He does, you know, he, he doesn't know who he's supposed to be. Uh, bird song starts playing in his brain. <laughs> he asks, uh, he ends up asking, he stands up and he asks if there are any questions. And Beatrice Blinn stands up in the crowd and asks this confusing question, uh, you know, stumping Larry. Uh, Mo and Curly are hilarious because they stand up and they're pulling up their sleeves like they're going to fight her. Mo says, what do you think? Then comments that they're going to have trouble with this dame. <laughs> he stands up to give a speech and he keeps telling Beatrice to sit down. Like uh, He says a couple of words and sit down. And then sit down. <laughs> he yells, I'm going to test your mental coordination with a little number called swing in the alphabet. And then he yells, sit down at her. Larry looks at her disgusted, which is just great. This is, I'll, uh, I'll explain everything. I'll explain so even you can understand. Ready, sister? And then he says to the piano lady, cutie pie, pound those horse teeth. And then it's the B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-B-A-
with their fingers pointing up in the air, you know, waving them around, doing a little dance. It's hilarious. So then the girls are going back up. Yeah, then the girls are doing backup sounds, da-dum-da-da, kind of thing, as uh, Curly takes his turn singing a verse. The girls come in singing, Curly's a dope. And Curly's like, huh? And the boys huddle up. And then Larry grabs a violin, and Moe's ripping some fabric, and Curly is playing the spoons. And so uh, the girls are loving it as they're rocking out. <laughs> so cut to lunch being set up. It is to be announced as soon as it is ready, says Marjorie Dean, who was only wearing too much makeup in that first scene. When lunch is announced, the boys just come running. They come out from under the buffet table. <laughs> Curly says, ooh, super service, super service. Uh, you know, a callback to the beginning. They all rush. Mo slaps Larry, whose head hits Curly, knocking a pickle or a cucumber or something into his mouth and gets stuck and they chase him around to get it. Mo says, I'll help you. And slaps Curly's throat back and forth and bonks his nose and shakes his head. Then he says, I can't do a thing with him. You try. <laughs> Curly sprays cucumber juice all over everyone. And Mo gets mad. That's gratitude for you. And Mrs. Catsby, she wants to call a doctor. But uh, if he had any initiative, he'd have swallowed it by now, Mo says. <laughs> In walk the three professors, the real professors. Larry and Moe hit Curly, and the cucumber goes flying, hitting the professor. This is the last straw, he says. We return to Hamburg on the flipper. Curly has a line. He's going to get a hamburger on a zipper. Eh, you know, it's... Anyway, they can't all be great. So before they leave, the professors go into the laboratory, the laboratory, to mix a formula that they will never forget. The boys tell Mrs. Catsby to let them go. This college needs athletics. Football. Larry says, basketball. Curly says, I could do with a highball. <laughs> Mo describes the serene scene of the flowers in bloom and the bees making honey. Curly says, and Seabiscuit is making six furlongs and one ten flat. A Seabiscuit joke here tells me that he was still kind of in the zeitgeist in 1938. I just looked it up. Paused the podcast and looked it up. He was horse, Seabiscuit was horse of the year in 1938. He beat the 1937 horse of the year in a two-horse race at Pimlico earlier in the year. So just a one-on-one -on -one horse race. Well, they don't do that anymore. That'd be kind of neat. Like a prize fight, like a prize race. So Mo takes Mrs. Catsby's arm and uses it to elbow Curly. And she's confused and scared when Curly barks at her. He tells her to quit heckling him when she corrects her name and then adds her first name to it. And he's like, quit heckling me. So we cut to the lab here as the professors are using uh, nitroglycerin to make their formula. Moe is trying to explain basketball. He asks for a basketball and catches it. And that's what I call super service. <laughs> so they go to the basketball court where Curly hikes the ball as if they're playing football. They miss the pass, and Mrs. Catsby catches it. Curly gets mad at her. He says, ha, she intercepted it. Let's get her. Mrs. Catsby runs after much prompting from the students, and Curly tackles her, and they all just pile on. <laughs> Mo blows the whistle, and uh, he says, it's Mrs. Catsby's ball on her own five-yard line. She's had enough, and she throws the ball down, and Larry and Curly yell, fumble, and they dive on it. 
Mrs. Catsby says she'll give the college an athletic department if Mo can get those professors to come back. And Curly says he or Curly gets rid of the ball to hear the lady's proposition. Um, the ball lands at the professor's feet and blows them up. And they land at Catsby's feet. Mo says, there you are, lady, super service. And Catsby says, but look at them. And Mo says, we'll have them cleaned up in a minute. And, and they all run into each other. And that is the end. It's an odd ending here. The boys win, and it seems like things will work out. <laughs> so the title of this one, Violent is the Word for Curly, is a play on a 1936 RKO movie called Valiant is the Word for Carrie. And this is the first title that has no bearing on the plot of the short at all. Swing in the Alphabet was composed by Septimus Winnet and was published in 1875 as the Spelling Bee. Charlie Chase's family maid, when he was a kid, knew the song and taught it to all the children, and then Charlie Chase brought it to the Stooges for this picture. It's kind of interesting. Um, I thought that they wrote it, which is, you know. Um, interesting little tidbit here, kind of referencing the sheerness of the shirts that I mentioned earlier, which I, at the time when I mentioned, I didn't know about this, but this short was colorized in 2004 for a collection and the colorizing was very well done and it really shows how sheer the shirts were, but, uh, it was supposedly unnoticeable in black and white is what they said, but. I mean, I noticed it right away. I don't know. What does that say about me? <laughs> Best not to dwell on it. But, uh, yeah, it didn't, it really comes out noticeable in the, in the colorized version. It's very strange. So Curly ended up suffering first degree burns in the roasting on the spit thawing out scene. Uh, future Stooge director Edward Burns was present during the filming. And he noticed that Curly's weight was causing a problem. Quote, Curly was so heavy that Mo and Larry couldn't turn the crank, Burns said. Uh, the straps holding him slipped and he was hanging directly over the fire. And before they, they could get him off, he was pretty well seared. Curly was hollering his head off and I don't blame him. Being roasted alive belongs to the Inquisition, not making two real comedies. <laughs> so this one gets an 8.96 on threestooges.net. I'll take that. It's an 8.5 or a 9 from me, so we'll go with that. Um, I'll round it up and go with a 9. I'm a generous sort. So I guess that's it. That's going to do it for another episode. Tune in next time when we will look at the next short, Three Missing Links. Ooh, a safari picture. So thanks for listening. Thanks for all the nice responses about the podcast. You know, it's I think it's fun to kind of the little spotlight on who the supporting people were. And now that I've done 32 episodes of this, I really am starting to recognize the names and, and, you know, it's like, Oh, him again, you know, kind of thing. So anyway, go to anchor.fm if you want to make a podcast for yourself, because it is a great free site and it takes all the guesswork out of podcasting and monetizing it and all that type of stuff. There's my dogs. So please rate and review the show if you like it. Apparently that really helps. If you're not a fan, just leave it alone if you would. Anyway, 
I have been your host and chief knucklehead, Gabe Russo, broadcasting from Stooge Studios at the back of the house. See you next time. Bye.